clock at five. Pass is intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler. Unreal. Rainbows high and deep into the end zone. And it is caught. Caught. Caught for a touchdown. A leaping touchdown catch. Here he goes. He'll be chased and he is caught. 97 yards. Does he get both feet in right here at the end, Jim? What are they going to roll it? He caught it? Touchdown! He did what? He did what? He runs to the 50. He runs to the 40. The guy is drunk, but there he goes. We are seeing another spectacular effort by Marino, who fires. Touchdown! Oh, that's loose. Allen steps up. Jumps over the defenders to pick up the first. Says a prayer. Folks, I am Adam Jeffrey Rossi. I'm Josh Lapping. And that's Colette the Cat. She looks like a Bengal, but she's actually a Bills fan. Divisional round, the best weekend in football. How do we feel about that statement? It's always always the hope, but usually false. That's true. You would hope that when you find a way to whittle down a group of 32 professional teams that the last eight should be the cream of the crop. Therefore, if you put them against each other, it should mean that they're the best matchups. But it doesn't always go that way. In fact, it wasn't that way last year either. (laughs) Um, In fact, you even said your favorite game last year was Super Wild Card Weekend. Or actually, no, was it Divisional Round? I mean, I feel like it'd be pretty tough to beat that Buffalo-KC game. Oh, yeah, that's true. Oh, boy. Yeah. I'm trying to think of a great... Eh, it doesn't matter. We don't need to talk about that. We don't need to talk about that. It's fine. Let's dive right into it. Let's get some rant, rave recall, what you got, my man. I know there's a couple that I know that you feel passionate about. <laughs> so I'm excited about which one it is and, and how you're going to go about it. Yeah. So I'm going to... I'm going to rave or I'm going to rant, excuse me, for... I'm going to keep it I'm going to keep it short and simple because it's something that we talk about every year. And just at this time of the year, I think more so than any time... It's more important, and that is refs getting in the way of games being played fully. I just think that during this time of the year is the time that, you know, we, we, we say a lot of times throughout the year, like, oh, they're letting them play. They're letting them play the game. Like, maybe this is getting tic-tac-y, but they're playing the sport of football. And I think this more so than any time, I mean, I want that every week. But more so than the regular season, this is the time that I don't want to see like, oh, they just got a free 45 yards or, oh, they just got a free first down on a fourth down try or something along those lines. This is just not the time that I think officiating should take over a game. And I don't want to go on it that long because we talk about it every year. And it seems that every year in the playoffs, there is a turning point. It's like, oh, this team won this this definitely helped this team win. Do you have specifics from this weekend that really you kind of lit the fire underneath you to rant a little bit about this? I mean, I, I, I am frustrated by the L.A. Chargers and the Jags game. Mostly, so I there's a ton of offensive line 
questionable calls going on in the NFL right now because we, we see it every week that we're like, doesn't it look like that tackle is getting off a little early every time? And then they let it happen, but then just sometimes they don't, where when they call it, it doesn't seem to be any different than the times that they do call it. But it really does, and I'm not, I don't want to stick up for Joey Bosa or be like, oh, like, I think he's totally correct. I mean, I think he lost his cool and lost his emotions and let it get in the way of him. But, like, yeah, it's frustrating when there is something happening that's keeping him from doing his job or playing to his best ability, but that doesn't matter. But also, it really just did bother me that Sean Smith, the referee of that game, runs back up to Joey Bosa to get him to say again whatever he said the first time to call the unsportsmanlike. Like, if he's saying something, then don't run back over and be like, hey, what did you say? Like, that's, of course he's not going to be like, oh, sorry. Like, that is, your job is to call it the first time or not call it at all. Don't go provoke him and then be like, okay, that's over the line now. I thought that was pretty, pretty lame. And I think above, I'm not in disagreement with you. I think above all else, because the reality is, and you touched on it, we're never going to bat a thousand on refing, right? That's in any sport, right? You're never going to call a perfect game. There's going to be calls that you miss. There's going to be calls that you make that maybe weren't the right call, right? But I think, in from my perspective, what I most want when somebody is refing a game is I want consistency, right? If you're letting both teams get that left tackle jumping a half second before the snap and both teams are doing that and you're not calling it for both teams, I can be fine with that because both teams can adjust and be like, you know what, they're not calling that, so we're not going to have to worry about that, right? If you're calling every single physical touch down the field between receiver and cornerback the whole game and you set that precedent from the beginning of the game and you're like, this is this type of game, that's fine, right? As long as you're on even playing ground the whole way. But that you're right. That left tackle of Jacksonville was moving the whole game, especially late in those drives. You were texting me and you were like, it's happening every play. Um, <laughs> but if you're only letting one team get away with certain things, that's when I start to get a little peeved, right? And, you know, there was some of that throughout all the games uh, this, this weekend. And you hope that, you know, the league and the officiating uh, committee gets together with the officials for this weekend and says, hey, we need to be more consistent. But that's where I get upset. I, I think that, obviously, the big moments are always going to be the calls that we might hone in on, right, of course. And that one ended up, I don't want to say completely des- deciding it, but they lined up for the extra point there and then changed their minds to go for two right after that play, right? So it directly impacted the end of the game. Yeah. Um, who's to say how, how it would have gone otherwise? So I think that's what it is for me, is that if... if you know, it's annoying if they're calling something tic-tac-y because you'd rather see them play, like you said. But as long as it's consistent, I can be okay with it. And I it. think that that ultimately is the thing because we'll, there will always be debates of and Twitter armchair warriors that are always like, oh, like, look at this holding. Like, they're, that's not getting called. And, like, you, no matter what team you're looking for, they'll be like, oh, yeah, like, they're help, the refs are helping them. And that's their MVP and whatnot. But I think you're right. It's consistency, which they're... I think, honestly, for the most part this year, it felt like to me for three quarters it was always so consistent. And then in the fourth quarter, for whatever reason, it's like, oh, they're letting them play until they're not. And just these final seven games, I don't want to see that. I either want the flag, this is obviously an exaggeration, I want the flag every single play or I want it twice in the game. 
I'm not going to argue with that. I think that's I think that's fair. I think it makes sense. And I mean, the reality is, and they say this is that there's holding on every play. Like there's there's a penalty happening somewhere on the field every play. Yeah, it's there just is. if the ref decides that it's egregious enough um, to you know call the flag. So I mean, that's it's unfortunate that that's the way that it is. But it, I think that if you I think if you you dissect it too much or you get too technical with it, which at times I think the NFL has, um, then that gets that in, uh, inhibits the best play. So that's frustrating. I get it, but uh, you're certainly more tame than you were over the weekend. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna rave a little bit. I'm gonna rave about our good old friend Mike McCarthy here, <laughs> okay. the Dallas Cowboys head coach. So I think that you know, and I, at times, rightfully so, we've gotten on Mike McCarthy. And I think that sometimes he's made some not so great decisions as a head coach, but I really love the evolution of Mike McCarthy. And before he was hired, I didn't want that hire. I came on the show and said it, but then stories came out about how he spent a whole year sort of studying the game and learning new trends and all this stuff. And I was like, you know what? Let's give him a chance. I really like this. And then for a while I was like, yeah, it's okay. I really think that Mike McCarthy's come a long way. And I saw... A, a clip from the herd today at work where he lined up uh, Mike McCarthy's record, playoff wins, division titles, Super Bowls next to another head coach and didn't show who it was. And then it showed up and it was John Harbaugh. And I was like, wow, like McCarthy's got better numbers than Harbaugh, but nobody doubts that Harbaugh is a great coach, right? And then he was like, okay, well, maybe this is, you know, uh, increased because he had a Hall of Fame quarterback, Aaron Rodgers, right? He had a great quarterback. So he was like, let's do Mike McCarthy's career without Aaron Rodgers or Dak Prescott. And so he put up those numbers and he said, so let's put it up next to another great head coach without their Hall of Fame quarterback. And that coach had terrible numbers and Mike McCarthy's were slightly above average. And the terrible head coach without their Hall of Fame quarterback was Bill Belichick's numbers without Tom Brady. So it was just, again, I'm not sitting here saying Mike McCarthy's a better coach than Bill Belichick and John Harbaugh. That's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is that I think that we at times have been too hard on McCarthy. And we talked about it when we covered the in picks of the game, right? We both said that you're not paid all this money to come in and win 12 games and then lose in the playoffs, right? Which is true. That's very true. But he showed up and a lot of people picked Tampa Bay, yourself included, our friend Ian included, right? There were a lot of smart football people who picked the Tampa Bay Buccaneers to get it done. And I thought Mike McCarthy and Kellen Moore came out with a great game plan. They completely shut down Tom Brady for most of the game. And Dak Prescott played arguably, I in fact might say this, his best game as a professional football player. Yes, certainly. Um, and so I think that McCarthy deserves a lot of respect for that. <clears throat> uh, and they did it in a game. Like, Dak Prescott was so good and the Buccaneers offense was... Uh, riddled so ineffective that missing four extra points is not even really a story. I mean, it is a story, <laughs> but like it didn't matter even slightly. There was only one moment in that entire game where I was like, uh-oh, the missed extra points are going to come into play. It's when Tom threw the touchdown to Julio Jones, and I was like, okay, they're going to go for two here and only be a two-possession game, and then they didn't get the two, and I was like, all right, I guess it doesn't matter. So I just I feel like we need to give a little respect to Mike McCarthy, and so I'm giving it to him. Cool stuff. Yeah. All right. That was Rent Rave Recall, sponsored by Adam's Allergies, which are flaring up today. Let's talk about Super Wild Card Round. We're going to talk about some overall thoughts, biggest surprise, best game. I, I think we could probably just go game to game really quick and, you know, kind of stop here and there. Obviously, we mentioned, you talked about refereeing, and we mentioned the Jags 
uh, Chargers game. At no point in this game did I think the comeback was going to f- be completed. And we ta- I mentioned this to you during the week. At no point until that final drive did I think Jacksonville's going to win this game. I thought, this is fun. I'm glad Lawrence has stood up. I'm glad that he has turned things around. I, I saved these stats here. So Trevor Lawrence in the first half was 10 of 24, 77 yards, one touchdown, and four interceptions. In the second half, 18 of 23, 211 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions. Completely flipped the script. Was a totally different quarterback. And, I mean, it was just an onslaught. And now Trevor Lawrence is undefeated on Saturdays. He's How about now, that? He is now 37-0 and 0 playing on Saturday. Pretty cool, right? Uh, do they play Saturday this week? I can't remember the lineup. I guess we'll we'll see. We'll see if that record's going to somebody, be... Somebody asked Peterson in the press conference today or yesterday, and he was like, come on, man. Get out of here with that. And then and then he, you can audibly hear... Like, I don't know if that audio was on there, Hillary. You can audibly hear... Like he knocked on wood after he said it, which I think is pretty, pretty funny. Um, but yeah, I mean... Biggest thoughts about this game? I know that at the end you texted me and you were like, "Well, Brandon Staley is going to be fired." Yeah, he he hasn't been. They did get rid of their offensive coordinator Joe Lombardi, so he is out. Which I think that uh, I mean, I, I guess I get it, sort of. Really, for all intents and purposes, even when they were up twenty-seven to zero seven, whatever you want to say, they didn't really drive the field because of the Lawrence interception. So I kind of get the offensive coordinator being fired, but really. This just feels like so much more of a defensive gap to me than it did offensive woes. I don't know. Like I said, like I get it. Like they never really had to drive the whole length of the field to get those touchdowns in the beginning of the game. They obviously couldn't put it away at the end. But it just feels very strange to me. It was it was a weird game. I know you were saying until the end it didn't feel like they were going to win. I was pretty positive after um, uh, Dickerson. Dickerson? Something missed the the LA kick that was like, oh, well, if they got that kick, that was it. But they left the door too open. Momentum, whatever you want to say, is is too in favor of this right now. Yeah, I don't know. I feel really bad for Chargers fans. (laughs) Yeah, somebody, I saw somebody post a video that was like, he fell asleep at halftime and he like woke up his friend. He's like, we lost. He was like, what? We lost. And then he goes, what? He's like, go back to sleep. And then the caption was like, I think he thought he was dreaming. Uh, yeah, it was just such a weird game. I think Dominic Foxworth said this on the Mina Kimes podcast this weekend. He said, I think Staley was hired too soon and that he's still learning and growing, but that he said he believed that he's grown enough and shown enough that he is a great head coach and that he just he likes it. He wasn't fired and they're sticking with him. And I think I agree with that. I think that he's gotten better and better and better every year. I do want to point out, I know that we, I don't want to say fight because we don't really fight about analytics on this show, but there was a lot that played into that on Saturday and none more prevalent than when the ball was moved to the one yard line, Peterson went for it knowing that the field goal could win the game, which is what ended up happening. And people will get all over Staley for being the, the, you know, like nerd culture NFL guy. But it got them to the playoffs in a position to win, and Doug Peterson's team won uh, following numbers near the end of the game as well. Also, Doug Peterson is kind of like the OG analytics guy. Like, he he's always been that kind of guy. But I'll say about this, and yeah, like, I believe in analytics when it logically makes sense. But 
this game was also like the opposite Staley game. Like I didn't understand Staley yeah, all the times, time. They're like fourth did, and thirteen, let's he, go for it. And I was like, why did they did, just do nothing? Didn't he also, I mean, I could forget. Didn't he punt like at midfield in this game at one point? Like it I thought, just it was the, it, it was so opposite weird. of it was so weird. And I think I, at one point looking back on it, I thought, did we? No, I didn't say we because I've never been against it. I've always defended the going for it for ninety percent of the going for it, but. Did the media scare or bully Staley into playing it too safe at times? Because you're right. There are multiple times in this game where I was like, I feel like rookie year Staley goes for this right here and didn't. It was just really odd. Very odd. I mean, that's a situation where, and I'm the conservative one, but if I'm watching a team score three touchdowns, we're not stopping them at all. I'm like, you know what? Screw it. Like, it wasn't like Jacksonville was driving 30 yards to get these like they were driving the length of the field every time so that's my big thing right my big thing is make them drive the length of the field because a lot of the times you will see that they're not doing it but when they're doing it with ease be like just go for it now then uh i will say i i think i could be wrong i feel like we all probably would have would have been more excited for the chiefs chargers matchup this week oh i mean jacksonville are, fans aren't but yeah jacksonville, I was like, chiefs yes. matchup. so that's if anything that's a little upsetting i mean i'm happy for the jaguars we've talked about them i think that peterson's done a wonderful job they have reinforcements coming next year with hopefully calvin Ridley and more picks and more cap space so i you know the jacksonville is a very exciting young team so we'll see see how it goes you hope that it's a close game maybe maybe see not. what happens on we'll saturday it, but, uh obviously yeah that was very very interesting game uh the seahawks 49ers game was fun for a half sure was it was a really uh, good half. we we really enjoyed that first half but it just kind of went out of hand we'll talk about brock party and that team uh uh soon i think that they're the team that we want to talk about more so we won't cover that too much uh sunday buffalo versus uh the dolphins <laughs> i don't know why you say it so my head's a little foggy right now i'm having a bad allergy day <laughs> A great game, great game. It, it, it did. It was fun. I will say, I was very. For the first half, I I was okay, and then when we started getting in the fourth quarter, and it was still very close, I was getting very very anxious. Um, but I, it was fun. Like it, I know that Allen didn't have his best game, but I thought it was a fun game. Yeah, I mean, I think that's what I want to see out of football games, like. I very rarely, like, I'll get disappointed, but I very rarely care who wins and loses. I want to see good football. And so, I mean, good football to me is that either team can win. It's not 42-7. to seven. And, bless you, I guess like you can say, like, I did not think the Chargers-Jags game was good football. Because I, I hate Jacqueline Hyde games. I don't think yeah, that's... Yeah, the, the last portion of the game was very exciting and fun to watch. But outside of that, it wasn't. So, I mean, for for Miami to, you know, take the punches early and try to get back into that, and I thought it was a just very well-played game. I mean, there were some miscommunication things between rookie head coach and rookie seventh-string quarterback in there, thrust in there, but all intents and purposes, I think Miami should be really proud of what how they played. Yeah, good season. Obviously, they started 8-3 and three and... Struggled down the stretch. Quarterback injuries play a huge role into that, right? But I think overall, really great rookie season for Mike McDaniel and this Dolphins team, I think, has a bright future. Um, you know, we'll talk about Buffalo because insanely huge matchup in the divisional round against Cincy. Uh, but I wasn't 
I will say I was overall encouraged that we could still win a game, even though it was against you know a second, third string quarterback. That you could still win a game not playing your best, right? Sure. Um, I think that's encouraging. That's what plenty of teams do in the playoffs every year. And I think especially when you get to the playoffs, you don't get points for style, right? You win and you advance or you lose and you go home. So I'm not going to complain about how it happened, right? Yeah, that Josh Allen evolution <laughs> of, of saying that stuff in the press room is being like, you're right, I stink, I shouldn't do that, I don't know. <laughs> He's gotten way better. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm being yeah, sincere. I, mean, he, I used to be like, I hate that. Just be like, yeah, we played poorly. Yeah, it's okay. And, and he, that's exactly what he said. I, he very much was like, you know what? Like, I, I did not play my best, but the rest of the guys, you know, stood up and we did. We won. We needed to win and made the plays we need to make. We need to get better for next week. But right now, a win's a win. Yeah, I love that. Not so. being like three years ago. He's like, yeah, I'm dog poo, but it's oh, okay. Yeah. I mean, he was like, I mean, hey, 22, 23 years old. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, regardless, uh, the second game on Sunday, we had the Giants and Vikings, which is one of the more fun games of the week. Kirk, Kirk Cousins and Daniel Jones both played great games. I know that we're going to harp on Kirk Cousins for his fourth down play. I actually really love the way he broke it down in this press conference. Made sense to me. I'm not an NFL quarterback, so who am I? <laughs> but made sense to me. Daniel Jones played one of his games of his life as well. And uh, sure I think – I don't know if the voting has already happened for Coach of the Year, but especially after Sunday, I really would – my vote would be Brian Dayball. I think he's just done a phenomenal job with a group that nobody really believed in heading into the season. Certainly not midway through the seasons that they trade Kadarius, Tony, and all these you know wide receivers that people don't know their names. Now they do. But – I don't know. I think he's just done a phenomenal job with this team. Yeah, I mean, off the top of my head, this is not what we're talking about, but I think there there's not something that's like, oh, this is so much more obvious than, than Damal for that award, but we'll talk about that in the offseason as all of that stuff approaches. And I guess that's only like two weeks away. But yeah, I mean, this was, I think, one of the best games in terms of like, oh, either team, like they truly just got this. Like it's back and forth and no one's really just putting their foot down and be like, you're done. So it was it was a ton of fun, that game. I think, uh, you know, I, I was pretty confident for the most of the game that the Giants were going to win. But there was a point when it got to, it was 24-14, and the Vikings fought back to tie it. And then I was like, oh, okay, I don't know how this is going to end. And I think that that's really the mark of a great game. Like you said, is you felt like any team could win. You get, when you get to a point late in the game where you truly are like, I'm not, I'm, I'm not betting on either team right now. Cause I have no clue. That's a good game for me. So, uh, we rounded out Sunday night with Ravens Bengals, a game that again, we both said was going to be close. I don't know if I thought it was gonna be that close that late, but <laughs> Baltimore's on the one or the two yard line. They're about to score and go up a full touchdown. Tyler Huntley, quarterback sneak, gets knocked out of his hands, and Sam Hubbard takes it all the way. End of game, basically. Yeah. I know they got back down to the, you know, I know they had a final drive. It really that, did. It really, really, really was the end of the game because even though, I mean, like, we can look at that last, excuse me, last play that was tipped, and James Prochet is actually like right there. Um, if he was paying more attention, he maybe catches that. Maybe, it, you know, what happens, but. That was the turning point in the game. At that point, all the momentum was completely stolen from Baltimore, and they just could not do anything else after that. 
I have to major tip my cap, though, to the Ravens because I, we did talk about the possibility of it being close, but I talked about the where I didn't think Huntley seemed like Huntley of last year, and I think in this game for a lot of, like, he was out there running with confidence. He threw the ball really, I agree. really well. I agree, yeah. Like, Baltimore brought it. And it's unfortunate because you wish, I mean, it's the same thing with the Dolphins game that you wish you would have saw Tua, you wish we would have saw Lamar Jackson in that game. That would have been so exciting. You know, we're going to have to well, cover J.K. Dobbins flat out came out and said, if we had Lamar, we would have won, I know, which I think I, is super awkward. I know. I feel it's really crappy to say about, you know, <laughs> love you, Tyler. But he, if we, if Dobbins you were, had a lot to say yeah, that made I me mean, kind of And he played well. I mean, I Dobbins had a great game. Um, Dobbins has looked very well the last couple of weeks. So I, um, I look forward to him next year. And I hope it's with Lamar. I mean, we, I don't, don't want to talk about it now because we could talk about until the cows come home, where Lamar will end up, if he'll come back, if he'll get a contract, what's the contract look like? What does he deserve, right? But uh, that game certainly would have a completely different complexion with their starting quarterback. Uh, we talked a little bit about Cowboys, Bucks. Anything else you want to talk about that game before we we cover next week's game? Yeah, for for the first one of the first times in 22 years, the the magic wore off. I think that's kind of neat. It's kind of. I think I can only I can think of one time. I know it's more than that, but one time that Brady wasn't in the divisional round. Uh, is the one time to the his last year with, with the, New England, with the New England, the Titans, or the Titans? Yeah. yeah. Outside of that, and I know yeah, I'm I mean, because like, they normally, but, I mean, obviously, with all those years with the Patriots, they were always like the one the of the one, two. So seed, they had the buy, so they always had their bye week. But you're right, like, um, yeah. I mean, I, I don't know what his record is. I'd have to look at that, but that makes sense. Well, for the first time in ten years. <laughs> I don't know if you saw this, but Brady had a really impressive, didn't win the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, didn't win the Super Bowl, won the Super Bowl, didn't win. That was for 10 years. It's going to be the first year that he hasn't won the Super Bowl two years in a row. Yikes. <laughs> Thank God. Thank God, honestly. I can't stand it. I can't stand it. All right. Let's move on. The divisional round of the playoffs. Best weekend of football. Hopefully. Oh, man. I can't even talk, guys, without muting my mic and sneezing. Jaguars at Chiefs. I want it to be a good game really bad. I truly, truly do. I just don't know if it will be. What are your thoughts on this game? Yeah, I think it, it definitely has the possibility of being a good game because of the young talent and the spirit that Jacksonville is going to bring to the game. Now, like we said, this is a rematch. This is a rematch game again, isn't it? I believe it is. I'm going to... I Yeah, it is. I don't remember how the first game went. 17... 27 Chiefs. So that was a game where Lawrence threw two interceptions, no picks. Oh my. Uh, Colette, chill four out. Four touchdowns girlfriend. and one pick. I can see this being pretty similar, I think, in terms of score. Yeah, I remember I remember feeling like this game during the season was going to be like, all right, here we go. Uh, but it wasn't, obviously. Um I just feel like Andy Reid on a bye week is so hard to stop. Yeah, there's a ridiculous stat about that. I can't remember what it is. He's like 28 and 5 or something off of a bye. And I'm pretty sure the stat does include like bye weeks in the playoffs as well. So it's not like it that's different, right? That's part of the stat. Yeah, so Reid is 28 and 5 in his career coming off a of bye <sighs> wow, week, including just... playoffs. But even more impressive than that, since he joined Kansas City with Pat Mahomes, he is nine and one off a of bye. 
I wonder what that one loss is in my head. I'm trying to think of what what that would be and if there's any sort of parallels between it. But yeah, um, I will say this. If the first half Trevor Lawrence shows up, this game's going to be 40 to nothing. If the second half Trevor Lawrence shows up, this could be a really fun game. It could be a really cool matchup between two young quarterbacks. I know Mahomes is 27, but he's still one of the youngest quarterbacks starting. Um, But... I genuinely think it could be that. I don't know if it will be. I think the key to this game is the turnovers. And I know that like that's a key in every game, right? Don't turn it over and get turnovers and that happens. But I think more so than the rest of the games this weekend, if Doug Peterson and Trevor Lawrence can create a game plan that allows him to do what he did in the second half against the Chargers, which is just kind of take what the defense give, move methodically down the field, and then that'll open up the shots like he had to Zay Jones on that one touchdown on Saturday night against the Chargers, then I think this could genuinely be a close game. But I just think that there's going to be too many crazy fun plays from the Mahomes and, and yeah. Kelsey-led offense, right? That, well, that that's the thing. I think one of the biggest areas of weakness for the Jags defense is defending the tight end. And I think Kelsey is going to be an extremely important piece. He is every single week, right? But more so than this, because I hear what you're saying, and it's it's obviously the 100% slam dunk answer, saying which quarterback, what's, like what Lawrence is going to show up the first or the second half. For me, it's going to be what defense shows up for the Jaguars the first or the second half. And it's not, it's not that the Jags played poorly in the first half, right? Because they had all the short fields and everything I just talked about. But in the second half, how they got the ball back so much is they just consistently brought so much pressure that got to Herbert. We'll have to see if that impacts Mahomes. Remember how the Bengals got back into the championship game last year was by just rattling the crap out of Mahomes. If the Jags do that, they have a chance. But I will say when they bring that, if they leave those short, shallow middles to Kelsey, that's going to be tough. So I think this boils down. I am picking the Chiefs. I think it boils down the way I see the game going is I think that it's going to be the Chiefs jump out to a decent lead and then it kind of levels out a little bit and the Chiefs hold on to like this, you know, it goes a little bit back and forth where the Chiefs are holding on to like this, you know, 10, 14 point lead for most of the game. And then I see like by the end of the game, them being up, but then the Jaguars get like a couple scores late. And it's going to be, (laughs) I think it's going to be a really high scoring game in totality, but I don't think it'll ever feel like it's within Jaguars reach. Okay. So So I'm saying 42-30 is my final score. Again, a lot of points scored over 70 points scored. That's a lot of points, but I can see it being like, it's 28 to 14 in the third quarter. Right. And it's just stays that way. And then maybe the Jags take a field goal and it's like, all right, that's, you know, it's 28, 17. They're still in it. But then it's like two touchdowns later, the chiefs have 40, it's 40 to 17. And then the Jags get like late couple touchdowns that made it look more respectable than it was kind of game. Yeah. I, every, every year when we say, Oh, best weekend of football, we always see something that winds up being really a blowout game. And unfortunately for the Jaguars, it sometimes correlates to teams that pulled off what they did in the wild card game. So I think we might see that in this one. I hope not for the fun sake of, of the game and, and whatnot. I think Kansas City wins. I think Kansas the final score is going to be, uh, let me do my math. Oh yeah, thirty-one to um, twenty-one. 
31-21. But I think the blowout factor <clears throat> is that the Jags score at least one of those touchdowns at the end. Right, so it would be like a, you know, 31-13, 31-14 game for most of it. Yeah, I could see that happening as well. Um, I tried to look at the scores that we had uh, for the other games, and some of them were actually decently close. They didn't play out like kind of the way we thought they would play out, but, I mean, I said 30-24 Giants. So, I mean. Yeah, was it 31-24? Yeah, I was going to say, I got close. So, um, you know, I I also said, I will say this. I did say, uh, what was, where is it? I did say what did thirty-eight. I, say I, I said thirty-eight, fourteen, Buffalo, and that didn't happen. So <laughs> you win some, you lose some. Let's go to that second game: Giants at Eagles. I will be watching this one on my phone while I'm playing Dungeons and Dragons. Oh man, because um, it couldn't move the schedule, but that's fine. It'll be okay. Uh, I want this one to be a good game. This is the one that I that I'm also concerned about. Could be a blowout. Jalen Hurts gets rest first time and. A handful of weeks that he was not on the injury report at all, so he is back healthy. I think he's still banged up. Oh, he, that's but very, he's, it could, it he's practicing could in true. full. But I'm really, really concerned that this could be they come out and just empty the bag and completely crush the Giants and end this really fun story with Brian Dable, my coach of the year, and Daniel Jones having this resurgence of nobody believed in him and had kind of written him off, and now he's been playing great. So I think that's fun, but I could see this being an ugly game. Yeah, I I am fascinated by this one because I think for all intents and purposes, last week was New York's most complete game of the year, which is absolutely the time that you want to be doing it. I mean, I guess you could point to week 17, but that's against the Colts, and I know people, and obviously the Vikings did get exposed, and they did lose the playoff game, and that's what everyone said was going to happen, and whatnot, whatnot, but this it was still... A, a team that won a lot of football games. doesn't matter how they did it. They won a lot of football games. New York, and I think all three phases, just got an A, in my opinion. I think, I mean, if there's anything, it's defense, and that was guarding TJ Hawkinson. That's it, because they did a great job against Justin Jefferson. I know Thielen had a couple really great plays, but, I mean, it's kind of disappointing that he is kind of falling off. But, I mean, they've added so much that you'd have to naturally expect that. But really, this is, I just thought, I was so impressed because they didn't, we talked about them having to bring the pressure to beat Kirk, and at times they did do that, but they weren't doing with anything that they weren't prepared to do. They were just sending their guys that that's their specialty to do it. There wasn't like, oh man, here comes seven of the nine guys, and they're just hoping to overwhelm. Like, they were just sending three and four, and it was working, and they I, I don't know what else to say. I think they just did a, a I think, great job. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I mean, obviously, they're pulling guys from everywhere. Isaiah Hodges had one of the best games of his career. Um, and yeah, I don't know. I, I I think you said it well. I just, I really feel like, and again, I have Philly going to the Super Bowl. I've had them go to the Super Bowl for a very long time. I just think that the Eagles offense is going to be so good against this Giants defense. And I think that their defense, which has got a very good pass rush. Yeah, this is so is, this this is a completely different beast than yes, Minnesota, right? It's gonna get after Daniel Jones. Because Daniel Jones, while he was great, had a clean pocket for most of the game. And when he had a little bit of pressure, he was able just to run and get it. But that's without a guy like Hassan Riddick spying, right? It took them a whole almost first half 
the Vikings to put a spy on him. And I think it's because they knew if they did that, that he was going to find an open guy somewhere, which is what happened. Early on in that game, they weren't spying him because they wanted the open coverage, and he had 70 yards in the first half rushing. I mean, he was all over the place. In the second half, they started spying him and rotating a linebacker or a slot corner over there, and then guys were just wide open. I don't think that I don't think that uh, Philly is going to have as much of a problem with that with the personnel that they have. So I could see Daniel Jones getting rattled here and coming down to earth very quick. I will say to to play advocate, I can't ever say that word, but you all know what I'm trying to say. I don't know. So technically, the Week 18 game wasn't really a blowout by terms of score, but really until midway through the fourth quarter, it was 19-3. to So that's not a blowout, but you're pretty handily winning that game, right? The first game was 48-22. to So that's that's pretty big blowout. I just, this is where, like, when you play three times, can you really continue to get those results? That's gonna Yeah, be, I mean, and that's, you know? you know, it's interesting because of that's how how it went for them. And then this is the three-peat. Whereas, in contrast to that, the Bills-Dolphins matchups were both close and both came down to final drives. And then the third game was the same way, right? So, is does this mean that it's going to be the same way again for this one? <laughs> Who knows? Um, I do think it's going to be a close game. I have Philadelphia 27-20. Oh, man. Okay, fun. Uh, I'm also going to take Philadelphia. I think that this is... Uh, I don't like it, but I think it's like a 28-17. But I could also... That makes sense. I mean, that makes sense. I, I can I also see, though, like... I could see this being the game where, like, they put up another 48 to 22 and they're like, you really thought we were going to lose to this? Like, no. Yes, I could see that happening too. And, in fact, the first score I put down was, like, you know, 38-14. They're going to crush them, (laughs) right? But I don't think it's going to be that way. I think that the Giants are going to hang on. And even if it's, you know, 20 to 7 for a while into the third quarter and then – you know, the Giants score and kick a field goal, and then it's 20 to 14 or 20 to 17. And you're like, all right, here we go. And then it doesn't, you know, quite pan out the way. I can kind of see that happening in this game. This but is this I, is a, such yeah. a silly thing to say because it's obvious. But the, the wild card for me is Daniel Jones because the during the Vikings game, I was just waiting. I was like, okay, when's the when's the Daniel Jones mistake going to happen? And it never did. Right. He never, he did not at all. It was It was a perfect game. Is that going to happen here against this defense? I imagine there will be a mistake. I don't know when it's going to be, and I don't know how crushing it'll end up being. Right? If the if Philly will capitalize on it, but I would bet on Philly capitalizing on it is what I'm saying. So it should be fun. I hope so. We'll see what happens. Actually, part of me hopes it isn't because I'm going to be playing D and D at the time, so it can well, be. Well, it sucks. Yeah. Uh, let's go to Sunday. Bengals at Bills. Oh man, here we I'm, go. I was going to sneeze, and then now it's just kind of like floating. Right there. I well, I'll take look, over. Uh, this is a, this has been a game that I've been looking forward to for a while. I uh, always thought this was going to be the divisional game. I don't want to say always. I mean, from the final few weeks where I was like, okay, this is how I think things are going to fall. I was like, these two teams are going to meet here. Um, this, is, this is a game that, you know, as tragic as it was, and I guess – I mean, not ultimately trying to because he was able to recover and is doing well, but the game got taken away from from being viewed and whatnot. So I'm really looking forward to getting to see this matchup because this should this should be a really good one. 
Now, I want to get ahead of the narratives here because we all know Josh Allen can be turnover prone. We get it. Right? I've been once been told that turnovers don't matter. So, boy, do I have a stat for you. Since Josh Allen entered the league in 2018, Buffalo is fifth in total turnovers. Fifth. But you want to know what they also are very high in? They're second in total wins since 2018 and third in point differential. So, yes, Josh Allen turns the ball over a lot. It's not. It has not been a problem. I know that we lost. Like we lost to KC. Turnovers weren't the problem there. We, he was awesome, right? I know that we like we lost to KC. You know, a couple years before that too. And I actually don't think turnovers were the problem. That I think why it was defense. We couldn't stop Tyreek Hill or Travis Kelsey. But when you're we're fifth in turnovers, but still number three and point differential and second in wins. The formula still works. We win tons of games. In fact, only one team in the NFL has won more games than us since Josh Allen took over in 2018. So, yes, it could end up being backbreaking. It absolutely could. But the numbers would suggest that we're still able to overcome that. And I think that while it is a problem and while I still believe it's a correctable one, um, I don't, I'm not as worried about it as I think some people believe that I should be. So I think those statistics all very well and good and obviously correct. The, the research is there. You can't dispute them. The, the narratives behind them I, I will challenge a little bit as in I think about how many turnovers that y'all have in certain years versus others. Like last year's defense and this year's defense is very good as well, but I don't think this year's defense is feared as much as last no, year's. No, I mean in last year's defense was number 1 in every single category, right? Like and we talked about it at the end of the year and heading into this year that maybe it was uh sort of padded a little bit by playing some inferior quarterbacks, right? We we debated that. Uh, but yes, I don't think it's as good as it was last year. Uh, I do think Matt Milano and Tremaine Edmonds have been sensational and during this run, and sure, I think they were yeah. great last week too. They were. Um, you know, Kyrie Elam stepped in after an injury to Dane Jackson, played very well, had an interception. Uh, Micah Hyde will not play in this game. I know there are some Bills fans who are like, Micah Hyde coming back. They said it's possible maybe for the AFC title game if we made it that far, but I don't even want to think about that right now because <laughs> this game is huge. Um I do think that this is, you know, we talk about matchups that are like, oh man, this is the matchup we're all looking forward to. And then sometimes it doesn't live up, right? I think that this is the matchup of the weekend. And I do think it, it, I think it's going to live up because both teams are going to come into this game super hyped and super energetic, believing that they both can win. Two of the best quarterbacks in the league right now, certainly the AFC. Um, I really think that this could be just a, a back and forth the whole game, which is not going to do anything great for my heart, but <laughs> I think it's going to be that way. Yeah, I think this is going to be a very, very exciting one. It's going to come down to that defense and what they're able to do against these weapons of Cincinnati. I am... The, the Bengals' offensive line is definitely a cause for concern, but the, the best thing for the Bengals right now is that they're already so used to that life, right? Like this isn't something where they've had the great stalwart offensive line that's always been like Burrow's like taking six sacks this year and he's not used to that. Like this is a guy for his entire NFL career thus far has been like, I'm playing behind a patchwork line. And I've talked about, I've talked about this uh, in private to you. Joe Burrow has entered a Tom Brady category for me because I never don't think he's going to figure it out. 
And whenever we would play against Brady, it would be so frustrating. We would get down in distance or we would in a situation where I felt was positive for us and then somehow, some way figures it out. He had a play in the game against Baltimore where there was pass rush and all of a sudden I was like, oh, what's happening? He takes two, three steps straight up in the pocket, dart right over the middle for a first down. I think it was like third and 13 or something. And I was like, that's what Brady has done his whole career and it's the most demoralizing thing as a fan of the other team. So I think that, I think that that's why it's going to make me so nervous in this game. I'm... So uh, the the Bengals are entering on a nine-game win streak. Buffalo on an eight-game win streak. It's only the sixth time in playoff history that both teams are entering in a six-plus game win streak. I'm going to pick Buffalo. I'm going to say 34-30. I think the game will be... um, Sorry, sorry. um, 33-30. I think the game is going to be... He needs... I don't... My math's wrong. (laughs) <laughs> I think the game is going to come down to a game-winning touchdown drive by the Bills. Okay. I think that's what's going to happen. Um, I, my, screw my math. Who knows what it'll be. It could be 31-27 or whatever. I think that it's going to be back and forth. I think that there will be turnovers by Allen. And I think that we're going to be like, can this – like, is this going to happen? Like, you know, we're everybody was talking about the rematch with KC, but – you know, since he's going to knock him off, and I think that it's going to come down to a final drive and that Allen will make the plays that I believe he can make to end the game and win it and send us to the title game again. That's okay. what I think is going to happen. Very good. So I accidentally showed my cards last week. Uh, I'm taking Cincinnati. I'm very, very excited for this one. I think it's going to be 37-31. That would be pretty fun. It'd be pretty fun, Jim. Uh, we can only hope that accolades are showered on both quarterbacks in this game, we're, right? We're listening on you. <laughs> but aren't you at least a nope. little bit? You're, you're not even nope. curious to see if it's the same? Nope. Maybe we do the first drive of each and see <laughs> see how he talks about it. Um, yeah, so again, I think it'll be exciting. I know that one of my favorite pieces of audio is you last week being like, Saying you didn't think it was be Buffalo, and you're like, oops. That's <laughs> very fun. Um, all right, let's get to the last game of the weekend. Cowboys traveling to the 49ers. Dak Prescott, first Dallas quarterback in playoff history with 300 plus yards and four plus touchdowns. It just, it was awesome. And you know what was fun was that I, I thought it was fun that Joe said that. And I can only, like, because Troy didn't say anything. And I just feel like it would have been like, yeah, first Dallas quarterback. And Troy's like, Joe's like, first Dallas quarterback to ever do this. What do you think, Troy? <laughs> that is pretty fun. Uh, this is an interesting game for a lot of reasons. I mean, they're all interesting for a lot of reasons. But this one more so to me because everybody has kind of jumped on San Francisco in this during this run. And obviously, 7-0 is hard to beat Brock Purdy. And he was, you know, I think early on in that game when it was still a game, you could see some... Okay, this is the last pick of the draft quarterbacking, I think. But I actually think that's a really good thing, though. Yeah, it, because he was able to turn it around yes. and then be great in the second half. Um, and still have great throws in the first half, too, in his struggles. But he was under 50% completion percentage in the first half. So, I'll, Dallas, much better defense than Seattle. 
Micah Parsons, I have I want to I want to put these stats for Micah Parsons on Monday night. Three tackles, two tackles for loss, one sack, two pass breakups, three cornerback hits, and nine pressures, which is the second most by any player in a game this entire season. Uh, Parsons himself had 10 in week two. Um, so Micah Parsons was all over the place. And I, you know, we're going to have a lot to talk about the quarterback position in San Francisco heading into this offseason and possibly later into this season if they advance in this game. But this is... If there ever was a defining game for a young quarterback, it'll be this one against this defense and against that player in Micah Parsons who dominated against the Bucks. Does he dominate again against against this team? Yeah, it was great to see Parsons come out and play that way against Tampa because I think— and It happened on the first drive, too. He had a huge play at the beginning of that game. They, <laughs> they needed him to do that because Micah Parsons started the year absolutely on fire. I think wore down a little bit on in the second half. But absolutely came out knowing what the stakes were, knowing what was on the line, knowing the narratives about Tom Brady and how they were going to ruin this Dallas season. And I think he took it on his back. I mean, not really, because Dak played just a phenomenal game, but really put it on the defense on his back and said, you know what, like, we're this isn't happening. We're going to shut this guy down. It's not going to happen. I don't know. I will say I know they... Tampa last week got their center back and whatnot. I do think San Francisco's offensive line is still stronger than Tampa's, so it will be a different challenge. But yeah, I think we're seeing my two favorite defensive line players go against this in this in this game. Who's your other favorite defensive line player? You don't know my other defensive. Wait, line hold players. on, hold on. Sorry, so my head is in a fog right now. I can't think straight. <laughs> Uh, your other favorite defensive line player is Nick Bosa. Yes. Yeah. The better Bosa. Uh, is your favorite player in the NFL? <laughs> <laughs> People don't know what that joke means. <laughs> whopper, 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 junior whopper. Uh, yeah. So I want this one to be – you know what I really want in this one is to come down to a final drive by the Cowboys and that Mike McCarthy does call a timeout or, or whatever it is. You know what I mean? I hope it comes down to something like that. I actually wanted to come down to the exact same thing, but they don't call the timeout and it works. And, and, and he goes, see, I knew it would work. <laughs> Not an idiot, guys. I'm the one who came on the show and defended the decision. So I don't know. Um, I do think it'll be close. I don't know about you. Yeah, I think I I don't I, – I hope it will. There's no reason it shouldn't be. I – not to be a Dak hater. I think Dak's a great quarterback. But I don't know if Dak plays with the same level of confidence that he that he did against Tampa. I don't Much know – tougher defense. I don't know if I see the San Francisco defense being able to let him get into that role. Okay, so that being said. That doesn't change anything <laughs> That about being it. said, you picked against them last week. Do you do it again this no, week? No, I think I said San Francisco going to the Super Bowl weeks ago. I think that's what it is. I'm picking San Francisco. I think it's going to be 28-21. So, uh, last week we only differed on one pick. This week so far we differed on Cincy and Buffalo. We're going to differ on this one, too. I think Dallas gets this done. Here we go. I say Dallas 27-23, so very close to your score. I I think that both quarterbacks are going to have good games. I don't think either quarterback is going to have a great game because I think both defenses are going to get after the quarterbacks, sack them, cause havoc. I think both of them will probably have a turnover, but I just believe, I think that the Dak McCarthy combo at this point is stronger than Purdy Shanahan. 
And while I know that Shanahan is genius, and I know that their 21 personnel has been insanely good this year, two backs, one tight end, mostly because the two backs are McCaffrey and Juszczyk, and either can play a wide receiver, running back, tight end, and the wide receiver includes Debo Samuel, who can be any position, right? So I know that that, that personnel is terrifying. I just believe in Dak a little bit more. That's I totally get that, and I will say for me... It's McCarthy and Dak, and obviously Purdy is the quarterback, right? But for me, it's Shanahan and McCaffrey because... I mean, I think Mina Kime said this on her podcast. If you were like to make a player in the lab that fit Shanahan perfectly, it would probably be Christian well, McCaffrey. That, that's that's a thing. So Tampa did a... Or excuse me, Dallas did a great job of shutting down the Tampa running game, which Tampa was trying to establish... But let's not act like they've been a Russian juggernaut this year. They haven't. Their rush game has been bad. And that's why Brady once again led the league in pass attempts. This is a completely different thing where if they take it off of Purdy just a little bit, that's going to go a long way. I will say this isn't really true. This isn't really why I think this. The moment Dallas lost this game is when Dallas fans, I don't, did you see this? I don't know how it happened. Dallas fans FaceTimed Debo at the game when Dallas won be like we're coming and Debo's like they're no I did not see that but I would be very nervous as a Dallas <laughs> fan if I knew that um, <laughs> I hope it's just a blast so um oh, I mean I was gonna say something I forgot oh uh this is a good segue into cold reads because my cold read is about quarterback play okay and you talked about this so I've seen a lot of people Dan Olofsky got a lot of flack for his quarterback power rankings entering the um the playoffs because he had certain people ranked certain things. There are eight quarterbacks left. I have ranked them because I've seen a lot of people putting rankings out. Okay. And now this isn't based off of just last week or just the season. This is based off of right now in this moment in these playoffs. This is how I rank the quarterbacks. Okay. You don't have to do all eight. I think it might be fun because there's only eight. Uh, but this is, I want to get your thoughts on what I have. So at number eight, I have Trevor Lawrence. Okay. This is hard because I think Trevor Lawrence has incredible ability both with his legs his arm and his head excuse me wow guys i am falling apart um number seven i have brock purdy because i think brock purdy has been awesome uh this one was very close but i just think that purdy has shown and like you said the ability to come back from a less than stellar play he showed that last week in a high pressure situation number six i have um daniel jones I think Daniel Jones has been really good this year. I don't think he's been phenomenal or great, but I think he's been very good, and he's had two great performances, one against Washington to clinch their uh, playoff uh, berth, and then, of course, last week against um, Minnesota. At number – wait, hold on. That was that was number six, right? One, two, three, four. Yes. At number five, I have Jalen Hurts. I think that Jalen Hurts has – uh, shut up some a, a lot of doubters this year. I think Hertz is their quarterback of the future. I would sign him to an extension this offseason. I believe in him. I think he's improved exponentially as a passer and as a progression, uh, as some, a guy going through his progressions as a quarterback. Um, and that his feet have always been terrifying. One of the best runners in the NFL. Uh, number four, I have Dak Prescott. I think Dak Prescott's been sensational. I don't think that there are, you know, there was a, uh, there was a poll in the midseason about, uh, Dak is the top what quarterback, and I think I said six. I don't know that I can name 
six other quarterbacks better than Dak Prescott in the NFL right now. Now that's a debate for the offseason because I think we should do our quarterback rankings again this offseason. Those are good episodes. But right now, of these eight, I have them at four. Number three, I have Josh Allen. I think that I have often told you this, and I have often said this to a lot of people. I think that when Allen plays his A game, that there's nobody in the NFL better than Josh Allen. When he plays his A game, he doesn't always do that. We saw that last week. He was still able to win and still threw three touchdowns that were, you know, all of them were actually great, amazing throws because that's what he does. But he made boneheaded decisions, fumbles, interceptions, so he's at three. Joe Burrow, number two. Just like I said, I don't know if anybody progresses through their reads better and quicker than Joe Burrow right now. And he is just, like, I know that it becomes a... Uh, it's a fun trope to be like sneaky athletic for white dudes who are actually kind of slippery. <laughs> but he's got movement in the pocket that I don't think people would think. And uh, he's just, I'm going to be terrified all game. And then number one's easily Patrick Mahomes. I think that the argument could have been made heading into the season, Mahomes versus Allen. I don't think you can conceivably make that argument right now. I think that, you know, like I said, I still believe the A game comment take about Allen, but he doesn't do it enough for me to really say that he's even in that conversation. Right now, I think Mahomes is in his own echelon. I think should be the undisputed unanimous MVP. We could talk about that at some point if we want, but that's what I have right now. I have Mahomes 1, Burrow 2, Allen 3, Dak 4, Hurts 5, Daniel Jones 6, Brock Purdy 7, and Trevor Lawrence 8. Yeah, I don't know if you were looking for validation from that, if you wanted me to. The so. Cold read, so the cold read initially was I wanted you just to do it blind, but then I thought, I feel like that's not fair. I should do the exercise first and then toss it. Yeah, to so my list is the exact same thing as yours, but I'm switched. So you said this is based just solely on right now. It's not body of work. It's just right. I have switched Purdy and Jones. So you have Purdy higher. Than I have Purdy at six, Jones is seven. Okay. So but my list is the exact same as dig yours. Dig into that a little bit. Yeah, I... That's interesting. So I love what I've seen of command from Brock Purdy. Um, and, and there there have been things that have been... In Seattle, it was just... And this is the thing that I think Shanahan's going to work with the most this week is don't do this weird backwards or treat spin around keep working backwards. He's like, if you need to go, just go or get rid of it. Don't because Dallas will get there quicker. So, but I love the command that I saw that it just settled in and he was like, you know what? We're going to work through our progressions and just let our guys do what they do where, and I guess you can really kind of say the same thing about Daniel Jones in this particular playoff game against Minnesota, although it's a different beast where Minnesota we know. I mean, Daniel Hunter did start really kind of heating up there at the end a little bit. But when they put the spy on and Daniel Jones didn't run, so earlier on when there were just coverages and what right not, whatnot, and this is not a bad thing. And obviously we're talking about eight of the best quarterbacks to get here right now this very year. So taking body of work out of it, I think that's important for this. But I think the notion to pull down a run so quickly takes away a little bit for me for Daniel Jones. Because while they are great game gains, they're not losses or anything of that sort. I'd rather see like, oh, I'm not just running because I'm like, oh, no one's there. I'm going to go. I'd rather be like, okay, this is how the play was designed. We have a really great play caller that knows how to get these guys open. And obviously they got open a lot. Daniel Jones is the kind of quarterback that can have designed runs, yeah, similar to Josh Allen. For sure. 
those 11 runs, not all of them were. They were just like, I'm going to go right now because I'm rattled. I'm glad you mentioned Josh Allen there because it's the same progression he had to make. His first two years, he had almost 1,000 yards rushing because it's it was one read, maybe two reads, run if you don't have it, right? So it's a progression that a lot of quarterbacks who are athletic have to make when they're lacking in the progression reading coverages aspect. So it's, it's good to bring up. I am just so fascinated about Brock Purdy because— I'm saying this is a bias. Right, no, like this is what I, I look for in a quarterback. No, too. I understand that. I just I'm so fascinated to, to follow the Brock Purdy story because one, it's a great story. We love those, but I'm wondering if at this point Kyle Shanahan could push anybody through his system. <laughs> and I think, and honestly, I truly think that this is the case. And I brought this up with my defense of why I still believe in Trey Lance, which I still do, is that. In the NFL, no matter how good of a play call offensive mind you are, and Shanahan is the be- is one of the best, if not the best, right now currently in the NFL at game planning and play calling. Yeah, like there as are, much as I want to say that's not true, it's, because it's, it's hard it to is. argue right now. It is. But even if that's true, no matter how perfect of a game plan or play call you have, there are always plays, often in the playoffs, often in the best weekend in football that break down and you have to do something outside of that. Now, Purdy has shown the ability to do that. I'm not saying he hasn't. But the reason why you trade up to the number three overall pick to take a guy like Trey Lance is you believe I can push him through all that other stuff, right? I need him for the moment where the play breaks down and it doesn't matter how good I am. I need you to be able to move out of the pocket and run and do or throw the bomb touchdown to the guy that wasn't your read on that route, right? I need you to be able to do that. I am fascinated to see if in this game or if they move on or what, if Purdy shows the ability to do that, if that's what makes Shanahan go, you know what? I guess this is my guy now. You know what I mean? It's, 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 the fascinating is not a word that encompasses the, the thought about it enough for me. Like there needs to be a bigger word than fascinating. It's enthralling. It, it, it is something <laughs> because this is not a counter argument for you. This does not solve the solution be, or this does not solve the problem because you would say that Lance has the same guys. But this may be one of the rare instances where the skill players around this guy trump the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, we how many times we, we, we talk about this all the time. Everybody talks. If you're, if you're in sports media or have a podcast about the NFL, you talk about this all the time about how it doesn't matter. Like, you need guys around you. Everybody does, right? Nobody can do anything with anybody. But there, it, I don't, can't think of another scenario where it was like, well, the guys around him were just so good. That's why they went all that way. There's always got to be some kind of ability. But you might be right. It might be like he could do this with anybody. Now, I know that. There's all those stats with when he has Jimmy G, he wins. But when he has other guys, he doesn't, right? But, like, the offense still puts up numbers with guys like C.J. Beathard and Nick Mullins, who's not a third-string quarterback, right? Like, he's done that with other quarterbacks before. And, again, I just I, – I, I can't – I almost – like, I, I want Dallas to win for, for our buddy Mike and for my cousins. And, like, I want that to happen. But I almost don't want it to happen because I just want to keep following this Brock Purdy story. <laughs> I don't want it to end. It's It's amazing. It's going to be – this is going to be a great game. Awesome. So, that was cold reads unless you have a cold read. I, I don't. That's okay. Uh, let's do let's do Fantasy Corner. Yeah, you got to pull it up because I don't have it on my Fantasy iPad. Playoff Challenge. You, can, you should be able to get into mine too. I think I should be able to. I'm going to do mine first. So, obviously, I had uh, a lot of Bills and a lot of Eagles. So, my Bills that advanced, Josh Allen, uh, Stephon Diggs, and the Bills defense all will have double points in round two of the Fantasy Playoff Challenge. 
I will have the Philly players that, that I'm going to mention next. Wow, I'm falling apart. A.J. Brown, We're Dallas Goddard, and Jake Elliott all have double points because they um, had already advanced, obviously, to the second round. And then the two other wild card players that I have in the NFC, Christian McCaffrey and Saquon Barkley, both earning double points this week. I feel good about this. I feel like this is going to end up uh, sinking me, these two running backs. Because they're not going to... Oh, that's not what's going to sink you. Because they're, they're both not going to... They're not going to both advance. Um, I think Philly is going to advance, which means Saquon will be gone. And then if I think Dallas is going to advance, it means McCaffrey is going to be gone. So we'll see what happens. Uh, but obviously, if Cincy wins, I lose. It, that's just really what it is. <laughs> Cincy wins, I lose. Um, let's go to... Let's see. Okay, I think I can go to groups and then click simultaneous catch. And then click Josh's picks. I don't see your picks. Or have you not made them yet? Well, they sh- they'll. Do I get to pick a new running back? Yeah. So if you lost, you lost Eckler. You get to pick another. another well, so I mean, everyone's going to be the same except for that player. Okay. So yeah. You so say, like, make so you have you have advancing. You have the Chiefs of Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey, which could be an amazing combo for you. Probably will be. Um, we expect them to move on. The 49ers that you have, because again, that was just a real matchup. You have the 49ers defense. You have Robbie Gould, uh, Debo Samuel, and Christian McCaffrey. Uh, obviously, Jamar Chase also advanced to you. Again, you have the Bengals in the championship game, so you, he would be times three. Um, and then without Eckler in your lineup, you have one player to replace. Yeah, I think I'm going to dive deep for this one because I am leaning some Jarek McKinnon. That's not a bad pick, especially because if you're going to go full-on Chiefs and Chiefs are going all the way, Jared McKinnon's become basically like a number two receiver for them. He They throw to him a lot. I had him in our diehard dynasty, which is like our 16-team league, and I was flexing him every week the last month because he's getting five, eight targets every game. Yeah, so that was going – so I fully expected that this was going to be a Chargers – this is how I operated. I tried – I did it based on how I thought the playoffs were going to map out. I mean, we talked about that being a strategy. So I really thought this was going to be a Chargers-Chiefs game this week where I was going to have Eckler and then lose him, and I was probably going to pick McKinnon at that point. So What's, what's hilarious, too, though, is that uh, Eckler had a great game. and like He did. I, he was having a great game, and I was like, whew, playoff challenge. I really screwed up. Um, so, yeah, I mean, again, I the, every year, there's never been a year, and I've done this for seven or eight years now since our time at Barron. Um there's never been a year where the winner had players from the first week that went all the way through to the end. There's every winner always has a couple of players that don't go the whole. Oh, way. I'm not. I'm just trying to beat you. Okay. Well, <laughs> I don't expect to be. I, I think don't you're expect currently to win beating me. You have one nineteen, right? Your yours said one nineteen, and mine says one oh three. So yeah, you're currently beating me. Yeah, but I have more I don't times two players. I don't think I'm gonna. <laughs> we're gonna win the Super Bowl. Yes, tickets, we are. But. Hey, I'm only ranked 134,797. What that so. makes me like 139 and like two. You are 100. Actually, you're way higher than me. <laughs> you're 88,000 or 800. I don't know how that. Number See, works. it just goes to show that it, it really is a game of decimals. You're right? like way over. Yeah, it is a game of decimals. I you're mean, like I'm up by well, 18 points over you. People, and... Like, let's go to the leaderboard. I'm wondering if it says. But see, this is what gives me solace. The number one person has 187 points, but look at their lineup. Oh, yeah. So they picked some good players. They picked some good players, but, like, Hawkinson's not going to be there. I don't think the Cincy's – you mean, like, they're going to lose people, right? Yeah, Um, that Cincy play because of that, that wound up being really good. And then second – so second place is actually like this. Actually, I wonder how many of the same lineups it is. I I don't understand how – 
this is 187, this is 186, but it's the same lineup. That's confusing to me. Is it the exact? Oh, it doesn't matter. I thought it was the same lineup. But some of these are like, I, I was looking at ones in the top 10 where some of them. Um, so that guy had San Francisco. So yeah, but like some of them are like, he's going to lose Eckler. He's going to lose Hawkinson as well. So again, it, obviously still well within this. <laughs> um, but again, it's fun. I just, I really enjoy this. But like, I've actually, I will say this. I've never done, this is my eighth year doing this. I've never done fantasy playoff challenge where I had times two on every player in the second round. You're so smart, So I feel man. great. So smart. Um, there is a, wait, hold on. No, there's not a path. So the, the best the best play out for me would be Philly beats the Giants, so I only lose Saquon and that San Francisco wins, so I don't lose. Yeah, you so. would only be losing one player. Right, so. All right, fantasy playoff challenge. Let's do a quick run your pool because you can have a good week, my friend. I just want to look at this really quick. You're still in the lead, but I don't know if you've looked at this. Because of the double I know what's happening. Because of the double points, you're only ahead by two. But you're gonna go undefeated this week. So yeah, listen, right. you have an incredible advantage over Mike and I because I'm gonna pick my team and he's gonna pick his team. <laughs> so you can you can be right on those and it's gonna be fine. Yeah, I mean, um <laughs> and really it's just because I was getting sick and tired of I mean I picked the Giants right but I was getting really sick and tired of people acting as if the Giants deserved to win so I was like yeah like screw it let's pick the Vikings like they're gonna come out and be like you know what like we were almost the number one seed didn't play out that way in a very close one possession game I was so. gonna say they could have also very easily won that game so. uh but yeah I mean I'm okay <laughs> <laughs> I love you so much um all right Friends fortune, mine was wrong last week, so What did you say? I said every game was gonna be one possession and uh, every quarterback was gonna have two touchdowns. Tom Brady only had one, I think. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I actually don't know. I didn't, I went to sleep before the end of the yep, game. Yeah, he only had one. I was gonna say I just started. Actually, you know game, what? So. You're right. I guess in the final four minutes or something they could have scored. I don't know. I remember. So uh my friend's fortune for this week, okay, is that I'm gonna stay. I'm gonna stay with the close games narrative because if I get these right, I want to be right in like a cool way that was also exciting for us, right? So they're all gonna be one possession. They're all gonna come down to the final possession. Oh man, that, that would be the best weekend of football. Every team that wins is gonna score on their last possession to win the game. The defense can't make a stop. No, 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 no. None of the defenses are gonna make a stop. The, the Chiefs are going to be a final score down the draft. Again, I, I'm not. this is not looped in with the winners, okay? So I could be wrong about this. But whoever wins Chiefs-Jaguars, final drive, offensive score, whether it be field goal or touchdown. Uh, Philly-Giants, one score possession, whether it be Daniel Jones or Jordan Hurts, down the field, win the game, right? All of them. Offense drives to win the game. All four games. Wow. Okay. I do love that that goes against what you said the score predictions were going to be, yes. which is great. <laughs> I think there we saw a, an amazing defensive play turn the tides in Cincinnati. Yep. I don't know if it turns the tides, but we're going to see three defensive touchdowns this week. In three wow. of the four games, there will be a defensive touchdown. Now, was that only – so three of the four games, not just three total? No, three of the four three games, the four there will games. be a defensive touchdown. It was just the – so Buffalo, So Miami scored a defensive touchdown. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Cincy that one. Cincy scored a defensive touchdown, but those were the only two, right? There was not I believe so. All right. 
Okay. I forgot about Miami. No, it's all right. I like it. It's cool. How did you forget about Miami? That was like one of your pivotal <laughs> pissed off moments where you were like, he was like, here, I think Alan's about to go off right here. Oh, no. Touchdown, Miami. Big bad bully. Listen, I want to create a safe space for you. I want to give you 45 seconds to go at Tony Romo. Go ahead. Yeah. It go was ahead. just, just it. it was just unnecessary. <laughs> it was unprofessional and really, really lame. I mean, the, the, the de-sucking that was happening... By Tony Romo of particularly Josh Allen was just, I mean, I get it. Josh Allen's really, really good. But the the names, Big Bad Bully, Michael Jordan, Mr. January, Alien. Uh, there was one more the that champ. I can't. The champ. The champ of what? <laughs> of the what? the AFC East? Y- y- yeah, you're I'm right. Third in the MVP voting two years <laughs> ago. Actually, I think he came in second. I, don't know. I, don't know. I guess the AFC East <laughs> champ. You're right, Tony. But I just, and being like, the Bills can't lose like this. They can't end like this, can it? Just what are you doing, Tony? I don't understand. And we definitely have seen things like this in the past from callers, right? People, I mean, people have talked about. Joe Buck's love of Aaron Rodgers. Collinsworth and, and Mahomes. But never has it been like that. And really, yeah, the I thing think. that I'm, that made me fall in love with Tony was that Tony was excitable in the way that fans were. And Tony was so smart in being like, they're lining up like this because this defense is going to do this. And exactly that's exactly what happened. That is not what's been happening lately. And it's really disappointing. Yeah, I uh, I, I don't disagree with you. Because I there, it's the, the really, the, again, most of the game was bad. The really egregious one, the one that made me go, yeah, that's unprofessional, is when he goes, this can't be how it ends for Buffalo, right? There's no way. This isn't going to happen. And I was like, I don't know if you could, especially the way you say, like, I can see there's a way to frame that, right? There's going to be like, this is surprising, right? Nobody saw this happening, but this is awesome. Let's go Miami, right? Versus like, this isn't going to happen for Buffalo. They can't lose this way, right? So you're right. I mean, I'm with you. I still love Tony Romo. I, I think like... He's always been a Josh Allen fan. I mean, let, let's not forget, him and Nance called the first game where Allen had his first big moment of leaping over Anthony Barr for the first down against Minnesota. Like, he's been he's watched a lot of Josh Allen games, so I understand him being a fan, but you're right. You're the national broadcast of the AFC playoffs. You, you can't be that way. You just can't be that way. I agree. I just, I came on, and, and I don't know if it was officially a rant rave recall, but I talked about how I hate specific team play calls because yeah. of that. And then for it to it, be I that... Was, I think it was yeah. a Ray Ray recall. Yeah. You know? So we'll see what happens. Uh, we, I, I, we should watch the first round with the audio on. See what happens. But regardless, um, I wanted to give you a moment for that. Hey, thanks. I, I knew it was India. <laughs> and I'm with you. Again, I, don't, I, think I, I, love, I love Tony Romo still, and obviously I love Josh Allen, but it was making me uncomfortable to watch the game with you because I was like, hey, Tony, can you stop? I don't want my friend to be rooting against my team anymore. <laughs> So, yeah, honestly, though, they're the the. It really it was frustrating. I don't need to. I mean, it doesn't matter. I think I'm a pretty collected for mo, for most intents for us. I'm a very collected football watcher. The one time I fist pumped was when Allen made a mistake because I was getting so tired of the Mister Invincible. I and it was. I don't think it was the. It wasn't the fumble, was it? No, no, it was in the third or fourth. I think quarter. it was something very simple. It was probably it, like an overshot. I think it, it was something like that. And I saw you fist pump, and I was like, "Oh yeah, he's in the game, all right." <laughs> I was just like, "I'm so tired know, of being told it. that this is impossible." So I guess the hope is is that even if he is that way about Allen in this game, that he will also be that way about Burrow because Burrow's probably going to make awesome plays. Too, <laughs> so. I think we should. This should just. 
not only would it be fun, but I know it's impossible because you're going to be too anxious, but this is the game we should call ourselves. Now, so I want to do this. I just don't know, like, are we just going to go live the whole game yeah, and then call it? We'll, we'll figure it out. It. Maybe that'll happen, guys. If it is, keep an eye out. Um, if we can figure out a way for it to happen, I do think it'd be very fun. So, uh, Simultaneous all right. catch Twitch. Simultaneous catch Twitch. That would be fun. We'll, we'll work it out. We'll workshop it. Part uh, of me would just <laughs> like for you to be at the table not being able to talk because you're too scared. Yeah, there will be moments where it's like I'm supposed to call the play and I'm like, I can't do this. <laughs> Uh, all right. Anything else, man? That's no, all I got. We're uh, hopefully in store for the best weekend of football. Hopefully it is the best weekend. Sometimes it doesn't work out that way, but Often based on the it. things we're saying, it's going to be great. <laughs> it's going to be the best weekend in football history. It's the way we said it's going to play out, plays out. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Simultaneous Catch, guys. Make sure you uh, follow us on Twitter at Simultcatch, Instagram, Simultaneous Catch. We'll see you in the AFC and NFC. What? <laughs> Championship rounds. I didn't finish my sentence by. God bless. <laughs>